listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Check, check, check. No, it was terrible. <laughs> it did not, you did not make it work. so bad. That was terrible. That was such a I bad sermon. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Modern Parables. My name is Tyler Sanders, joined by my bacony and pure co-hosts, <laughs> Noah and Isaac. I have a question. Whenever we do these adjectives, yeah. is it one describe both of them describe both of us, or one describes one of us and the other? I don't know. Who tastes salty and porky? Bacony. <laughs> Got you. I'm bacony. Every time that he says an adjective, I try to decide Who's which who? adjective goes to which person. You know what's crazy? Every time I hear, like, think of bacon or... I, I mean, obviously, think of pigs then. My, uh, my girlfriend, Why is that? My Unclean. girlfriend had a... Uh, yeah, exactly. This is crazy. My girlfriend had a pet pig and then what? named Oinky, and then they slaughtered Oinky and, and ate had, Oinky. Well, that's trauma on trauma right there. Because did you have to great. eat it? Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Oh, it was my bacon, goodness. bro. Wow. All right. Well, with that introduction <laughs> out of the way, we have a guest, very special guest. We have Dr. John Drury in the house. I have a fun fact before he shares information uh, oh, about himself. All right. This is scary. If you go to Wikipedia um, oh, geez. and look up <laughs> theologians of the time, going all the way back to, you know, Athanasius and people like that. Augustine. He, yeah, exactly. He is on that list. He's on the list. He's on the list. Fun fact. Uh, doctor- Can't trust everything. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we call you John? On the podcast. Sure, absolutely. Okay. Please. Uh, John, uh, tell us a little bit about your, you, your experience, your ministry, e- everything like that. Yeah, sure. So I, uh, I currently serve as discipleship pastor here at Indiana Wesleyan University. Sweet. Uh, in the spiritual formation office with uh, Dr. Andrea Summers, who's the dean of spiritual formations. We do chapel and small groups. My main job is the overseeing of small groups mm. and the student team that that makes that happen. So you got to deal with him a lot. That's right. <laughs> he had to deal with me a lot last year. <laughs> a lot last year. Yeah. So I've been, I'm in my second year there. And in, uh, in uh, the last, the previous decade or so, I was teaching theology and spiritual formation at Wesley Seminary. Awesome. Um, which is seminary here at Indiana Wesleyan University. And yeah. So, and you know, just, uh, I uh, help out with the youth group at my local church here, College Wesleyan Church. And and but back in uh, my twenties, I was in graduate school and I was a pastor uh, for three years in South Jersey, a solo pastor at a little church in South Jersey. All right. Um, so that's a little bit of my kind of background, preaching twice a week at that <laughs> church. You know, very so. cool, mm, very hey. cool, very cool. Well, uh, what scripture did you bring for us uh, today? Yeah, I got one from John nineteen. Oh, I love that. As we're moving up towards uh, Holy Week and Easter, yes, we just kind of thinking ahead for that. So it's just one little section uh, from, um, yeah, starting at uh, 25. All so right. 19, 25 through 30. Would you mind uh, reading that for us? Happy to. Okay. So, but standing 
at the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary, the Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Madam, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that very hour, that disciple took her into his own. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now completed, said to complete the scripture, I thirst. Now a jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch. And they held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is completed. And he bowed his head and handed over the spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Wow. Oh my days. Lots of lots of things to unpack in this. Yeah. I have a dense. question real quick. Go ahead. To fulfill the scriptures with when he says mm-hmm. I thirst, what is that exactly? Does anyone know? What scriptures? Because I don't it have like anything that can like this mm-hmm. isn't a study Bible or anything like that. So I don't have any footnotes or anything that connect it to not uh, top of my fulfilled. head. Yeah, so there's a couple things going on there. The first is just a little fun fact to notice because the verb is used three times and it's awkward that even though most of your translations are going to say fulfilled there because that's the usual way we speak of this, it's actually a different verb. It's complete or perfected. It's the same verb he's going to use a couple lines later. Mm. It is finished or completed or Mm -hmm. perfected. (laughs) And it's used just in the phrase before, uh, Jesus knowing that all things had been perfected. So he's like... Mm it's repeated three times. This is the completion moment. So it's possible that this, the drinking of the, you know, they gave me sour wine to drink is a line from a Psalm, I believe Psalm 69. Mm. So it could be just that, although because of the completing and the completing and the completing, you wonder if he's also like, oh, it's, it's time to wrap up here. Mm-hmm. And oh, oops, had had one more scripture to fulfill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because he's also kind of clearly he's bringing it to a close. It's time to wrap up, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's now it's time for it to end. Um, so, um, wow. so it's probably Psalm sixty nine. But I think you should also see it as the larger thing that he died in accordance with the scriptures mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. It's like this is the completion yeah. of, wow. of all the scriptures in a way. At the same time, I think where my mind goes with that with that topic of this. I have more to say, but um, with the whole completion, I, I thought of like movies and it usually is with like mystery movies or like you're trying to figure out what happened, like a crime or anything mm-hmm. like that. And it could be all the way up until the last point where you don't know what's going right. on. Yeah. yeah. And then the one thing happens and everything is connected. It's everything true. is shown. Yep. And like in your mind, the TV show or the movie is yeah. completed. Right. And so I think it is leading up to this. A lot of people are confused. People are confused after. But regardless. 
everything leading up to this. And this is, this is the moment. It is completed. All that God had been doing through the Old Testament to now and what Jesus did on the cross completes it. And it and now I remember like listening to some like theologians that are saying, through the resurrection, that's the lens that we interpret scripture from. And you look through that to understand all things. Yeah, and especially in John, because he refers to just talking about it being lifted up, his exaltation, his glory. And the surprise though. Even the language of completion seems not right here because it's not done. He's still got to raise from the dead. And yet one of the mm. moves that John makes is to say, no, 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 he's already being glorified when he's lifted up on the cross. Lifted wow. up's not just lifted up to the right hand of the Father. Yes, that's its culmination. Mm. But he's already lifted up just when that cross goes up. That is his glory. Mm. That is his hour of glory, mm. um, which wow. is strange and counterintuitive. And, you know, this seems like the defeat and then the victory comes later. Um and that's also true, and that tends to be the way that, you know, Matthew and, and Luke tend to, to stretch it out. John mm. kind of shrinks it down and says, you know, like, no, he's already glorified. He's like, he, yeah. you should be beholding him on the cross as, as already the risen Lord yeah. in some sense. Yeah. It's mm. sort of Like strange. the snake lifted up on the, the rod. And, mm. Which is the first time the word lifted up is used in the book of John. Uh, mm. Chapter yeah. 3, verse 14, he references that. Mm. That Moses moment. Mm -mm. Yeah, because when you said that, it made me think of the the centurion that yes. comes out and says, "Truly, this man was the Son of God," and wow. that's that's him being a bystander. He's watching mm -hmm. all of this happen, and all of a sudden, he's like, "All right, truly, he was <laughs> exactly that." Could you imagine, like, putting someone to death? Like, this is like everyday kind of thing for them, just killing people yeah, on the cross, right? right? And then this one, it goes dark. Earthquake, yeah. you th like, yeah. and it's like, super like yeah, there's something different about this guy, and just, I mean, maybe not in the moment they see all of the 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 amazing things, like when Jesus does get lifted up versus when he does end up giving up his spirit. The timing of that lines up mm -hmm. with different things. Mm -hmm. It, all of the symbolism and meaning and different little bits that we can dissect from the crucifixion story blows our minds every time when you lay it out and see all of the different things that mm. are involved in it. Mm. I'm going to go a completely different direction. Let's Please. go. Do so it. you read the the first part, which is talking about the, the people that were there yes. watching Jesus, which I think that in and of itself communicates something. They're all women besides mm. the disciple. And obviously there's other people that are there. They're soldiers, but specifically mentioning women. But Sometimes when I read scripture in the academic sense, I, I throw out emotions. Mm. But I just took a step back and said, you know what? I'm just going to feel this passage. Well, I know feelings are, you know, they're, they're complicated. But imagine, like, you're standing here and you're just watching your own son die. Mm. Right? Like, I remember people making comments just saying, like, the worst thing that you can do is bury your own son or daughter. Like, that, mm -hmm. that, is, that is horrific and horrifying and... I just like this picture that that is happening here. Like the crucifixion should make you feel a certain way. And I think when we boil down sometimes to a lot of intellectual or logical um, short, like we, we come to conclusions. I think it's, it's phenomenal, but I do think we should, we should hold both. We should have both logical readings of scripture, but also just allow yourself to feel what's going on. Like yeah. we have emotions for a reason. And I think this picture, um, uh, just watching Jesus die is is 
it should be a lot heavier than I think we we make it out sometimes. Yeah, because not only is Jesus on the cross, he is unrecognizably beaten within yeah, an inch yeah. of his life before he gets up and there. And he's naked. Yeah. Right? Like, they always paint him with clothes on. Yeah. But he, he is naked. He yeah, is and, the epitome of... Yeah, of, and some yeah. descriptions talk about you can see just into his the cavity of his body. You can see those organs working. That's how much he's been beaten apart and ripped mm. apart. Wow. And so maybe there's even an added layer when John says, woman, here is your son. He's actually telling her, it's him. You might not recognize him, but it's him. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's and that's an important moment in the story. It's a tender scene to imagine Jesus. And this is that that strange combination of of glory and mm. and shame, you know, so there's the shame and the pain. And in the midst of all that, he's worried about his mother mm-hmm. and his best friend mm. and wanting to make sure she knows what's still to come. Now, there may be another level of symbolism if we want to get into that. But just at the first layer when he first and this is a common thing especially in John's gospel where the 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 first thing out of Jesus mouth sounds like one thing and then as it goes you realize it meant something else mm. right so when he says woman or madam it's it's a respectful mm-hmm. phrase here a woman you know? <laughs> <laughs> madam uh, ma'am you know behold your son right we know the story we know what he's going to say next yeah. who's going to but at that moment, it's what you were saying. He's. It sounds like he's saying, because he's got his arms nailed in. I don't think he can point. Yeah. Right. So when he says, <laughs> yeah. you know, behold your son, her first reaction is going to be, look at me, behold, and it has and it has layers of meaning, right? Behold, right? We have beheld his glory, right? Mm-hmm. Opening line, verse back mm-hmm. in John chapter one, right? Um, so she's beholding him, her son, and then he twists it. Because you see his eyes almost, I mean, you kind of almost have to think his eyes or head might have turned yeah, yeah. as he said it. And then there's the next layer of, oh, actually, no. Yeah. Behold your son, me, not anymore. Right? Uh, mm. This is your son, mm. this beloved disciple. Wow. And, of course, there's a lot of ways to interpret the beloved disciple, but among them is an invitation to see ourselves there. Right? He's the only disciple there at the cross, other, uh, only male disciple, mm. only one of the 12. Mm. Right? Um, cause these other women aren't disciples. Um, but in that sense of the, the 12, um, he's the only one there. And so what does it mean for Jesus to say, turn around and say, here you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. I also find it super interesting, um, that the beloved disciple is the only one there, as you said, mm-hmm. and then like the women that are named there. And I just asked the question, I'm like, how, you know what I mean? Like, Imagine being 12 disciples and it's like, you spent your life with this, this man, 11 now, but how would you, how could you not be there? And I remember I'm like, what are they doing during this time? Yeah. Hiding, like scared, all these things. Yes. And what enabled the, that one disciple to be there? And I think it's interesting before, um, I don't know. I don't recall if it's in John where this is given, but I know like before Peter is one of the people that like when when Jesus is saying how I have to die. Mm. And he's like, no, I won't let that happen. Mm. And he's like, one of you will abandon me or things like that. And he's like, if all abandon, I won't even to the point of death. And then he is the one who denies him three times. Yeah, Jesus even says, it's in yeah. chapter 13, he says, you're going to die for me, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, uh, you can't go where I'm going right now. 
Mm. But a little later, you will go. Exactly. So he's like, yeah, you are going to die for me. It's not yet. Yeah, exactly. Mm. He doesn't lay it out that clearly. He yeah. speaks in, in parables, speaks in riddles. But, but it makes me back. It, it begs the question to me, like, what's the difference between Peter's attitude mentality or his focus than the beloved disciple? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people think John or something like that, but beloved disciple. And I remember listening to a pastor on this and he presented the idea that you see these big, like flamboyant vows, these these massive mm. vows from Peter that amount to nothing. And it's like, he goes, that'll get you a lot of tweets, a lot of likes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you aren't focused on the love of God more than you're focused on your own love for God, then you will not find yourself at the feet of the cross. He He, he wanted to offer the idea that the beloved disciple was more focused on Jesus and his love for him rather than his own love for Jesus. And, I, and it just hit me so hard. I was like, oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. The whole focus it never is on once, that. It never once says that the beloved disciple loved him. Mm-hmm. Focus is always on he was his beloved. faith. His faith that yeah. he is beloved. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I remember, uh, now I don't know how people are going to react to this, but like watching The Chosen, one of the things it said was it presents John as the beloved disciple. And he said, like, I'm the one whom he loved. And then Mary Mother just said, well, he loved us all. You just like to focus on it more than others. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was such a a cool perspective, That's you know? Great. So, yeah. yeah. Dang, there was a lot there, huh? There, and there's still more, there, too. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, we could crazy. go on yeah. for days. But, yeah. John, thank you for bringing That's this. That's what Fresh Text is for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa, shout out. Shout out to Fresh Text. Yeah, you want to spend an hour on text? Literally. <laughs> I got to spend yeah, an hour. Why don't you, you wanna... give a plug for Fresh Text? Yeah, so Fresh Texas weekly podcast drops on Mondays, usually um, usually just a pair of pastor scholars, me and a guest. Uh, I get uh, Bible professors on, and um, preachers, the occasional <laughs> the student. Whole, the whole spectrum of people. He said scholars to the... <laughs> Behold your son. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and we, uh, we just take a passage and... Uh, dig into it mm. uh, and pitch some sermon ideas. Uh, it's in many ways a, a cousin to to modern parables. That's why I was so excited to mm, be on yeah, here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it's I mean it's directed towards people who might be you know uh, prepping a sermon. And I do have a lot of listeners who are preaching every week, and they use that as kind of a just a sort of a little inspiration to get yeah. them started. Uh, but then a lot of folks just listen to it for their own edification yeah. and delight. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's super good. Super good. Yeah. Oh. So if you're listening to Modern Parables, go listen to Fresh Text. It's a good podcast. I've been listening to it since I was in college. It's been going on for a while. So one of the one of the few OG listeners. <laughs> and yeah, it, yeah. We right. did have a little crossover episode last week. Yes, yeah, we did. So. Yeah. So what you heard last week was Isaac being smart for once <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast uh, with Dr. Drury, which was fresh text. Listen, so. he was just, I just got lucky that he asked me to talk on the passage of that. The only passage I've ever studied. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but, but no, thank you, John, for that. Uh, and as you guys know, or if this is your first time, we like to start with the word, be rooted in scripture. So that way when we transition to the random topic. Let's go. <laughs> so, but, oh, we're already going. Stop. All right, Peeps. guys. Peeps. Peeps. As in the candy. Yes. Well, right, so candy? The, mar- the marshmallows. What? Well, it's just a phrase. We can do what we want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got a question yeah. before we even hit the button. Yeah. Do you guys like Peeps? No. Nope. I hate them. I do like so, Peeps. So, what? Ew. Uh, I love marshmallows. Matter of fact, you kind of look like, like a Peeps, bro. I like marshmallows, though. 
So, uh, so you've never seen Lord of the Rings, but you enjoy Peeps? That's yeah. not a good combination. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of which, Carson, uh, who works in our office with us, is having her husband go pick up a Peeps-flavored Pepsi, which Pepsi has just released, and we're all going to try it. That Ew. might be after one of the, the most podcast. gross things. I know. It has a three out of five star re- review on Google already. I got one. So, go for it. Okay, wait. Do we need to hear the sound? Here's the buzzer, people. Hee-haw. Hee-haw? It's a donkey. <laughs> Wait, was that you? No, it's somebody else. <laughs> oh. All right. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. <laughs> okay, peeps. I think they're disgusting, but I remember the first time eating one. When I first saw it, I thought it was going to be delicious. Like, I genuinely yeah. saw it. I was like, I'm excited to eat this. I, I love sweets, and I, and I like candy and stuff like that, and marshmallows. Um, but when I ate it and I indulged in the peep. <laughs> okay. It was so underwhelming and not satisfying. Mm. And for me, something that looked so desirable yeah. at first, but then once I take a bite into it, realizing that it wasn't something to be desired. Yeah. And immediately my mind goes to sin. And it just seems so desirable and sometimes beautiful at first. But then once you once you indulge, then you start to see it for how ugly it is and destructive it is. Good. But Good. Noah likes sin. I mean, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> we, this is, that's why I said this. We, we call so many things on this podcast sin. It's, <laughs> it's wild. We do. All right. So I'm going to go off of that same vein a little bit. So the first time I had peeps uh, was in youth group. It was like my fourth week in youth group ever. So my story is I came to church, to Christ when I was 15 or 16 years old. And I started going to youth group begrudgingly because I thought, no, I want to stay with the adults because they're serious about their church, right? And then I started getting into youth group and I liked it. Fourth week in, we have something called Island Night, which I lived in Florida. So we literally drove down to the shore. We hopped in boats and went to this private island that somebody in the church owned. I'm an island boy. (laughs) (laughs) So on this island, my youth pastor said, all right, we're going to do a food challenge. The food challenge was you have to eat a pack of peeps covered in livers and onions. That's disgusting. And it was, and I competed in it. And so I had my first peep through livers and onions, okay? So what comes to mind with that is... Yes, please. Please tell me how. For for some people, they like peeps, right? And so think about it in the Christian life. We see something we like, see something that's good, and we might compromise ourselves to go get that good thing through a layer of bad things. Hmm. Okay? Onions. Onion livers and onions, yeah. So you see something good, and you're willing to compromise yourself to go get it, and you don't realize it until afterwards that you've done this, Hmm. this thing where you've compromised so many things to go after what you might have thought was a good thing but ends up being disappointing in the end which is what a peep is the means by which you get it yes so uh, i'm gonna be honest a peep's like terrible for you i mean it's like a walking cavity it is i mean sugar personified yeah and it reminded me of like if you're trying to get in shape and you're working out like you have to be so incredibly like meticulous with what you eat what you do i wouldn't know anything about yeah because your metabolism is like 400 percent right now um (laughs) but if you if you really are like taking care of your body and really being intentional with it you have to like count everything and i was talking to my roommate about it and you know he's he's very much into fitness and he shredded because of it but 
he has to like really how much calories am I taking? How, much, how am I burning? All of these things. And I think when we just take a glance at, you know, if we, we just go to the gym, we work out for the first time, you know, we can go move some weight, whatever. We really have no idea what's going on. We don't know what muscles we're working. We don't know an actual routine that is, is disciplined, that is, that is healthy for us. And when we read scripture, we can do that the same way. We can just read it and we just, oh, well, this is what it says. So I'm just going to go, you know, whatever, right? right. We, don't, we don't really know what scripture means. I think when we really understand what working out consists of, and we also, when we understand what the Bible actually means when we do research and we actually dig into scripture, mm -hmm. we have a better understanding of what it's actually teaching. And yeah. I think that kind of, that's where my mind with Pit, my mind went with peeps because let's be honest, it's a peep and they look like bun, like Easter bunnies or they look like birds sometimes birds, or whatnot. Yeah. So yeah. Spiritually shredded. Dude, <laughs> spiritually yoked, Let's bro. go. Dude. So, so it's reading the nutrition information that's like getting into the word. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Which is and, okay. and what you should avoid, which you should always avoid peeps. <laughs> so should I press this? Yes. I have a bad one. Oh, matter. please go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they you peeps come up around Easter time, right? Mm -hmm. And so I mean, I I don't have a great one yet, but I have the the beginnings of a thought. Yes. That, Let's go there. It's usually where I land. <laughs> <laughs> that there's something about um there's a lot of things we do around Easter that are more about it being spring and pastels mm -hmm. and and sort of uh, the sort of brightness of it. And when you look at a peep, it's colorful, it's cute, and there's so much around Easter that's colorful and cute. Right. And it's okay to celebrate that and enjoy that, but recognize that actually the colorful and cute side of Easter is actually empty. It's just empty calories. Yeah. It's just sugar. And... um. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you want to, like, crucify a creep, peep or something. But, I mean, there's a next move there, you know, to kind of say, like, what – to kind of recognize what is it that's really coming out of the tomb. Yeah. It's Christ yet still with wounds, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's the that's the solid food. That's the meat. That's the flesh, right? Now I'm thinking wow. of John 6, eat my flesh. Yeah. Um, drink my blood, right? And so – I guess maybe that's that's the illustration I'd want to have is like maybe and you could have it even up on a on on a, on a stage right a plate with a peep on it and a plate with a steak on it you know or maybe ham yeah or Easter ham or yeah. whatever right but but flesh right mm -hmm. and this is fun and this is great but it it it's you know half hour later you're gonna crash right this man that's you're gonna be going for eight hours on this protein over mm -hmm. here so Dang. I think that'd be the game mm. I'd want to play yeah. with peeps. That's and good. something else that came to mind when you're talking about that peeps Easter we make it colorful and fun the triumphal entry being that fun pomp and circumstance nice. type thing and then you get to Good Friday mm. and Which, it it's dark yeah it's it's black. It's liver and onions. Yeah. It's liver and onions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Dang. I think we, I'm surprised we did so well we on peeps, the honestly. Was destroyed. <laughs> we ate it. Let's go to the next yeah, one. Yeah, let's go to the next one. Stop. Lent. Lent. Classic. Not the Lent you find in, uh, that's mm. lint. Yes. Lint. <laughs> yes. I was at a church the other day that the uh, pastor sounded like he smoked packs of cigarettes oh. daily. But then he told us it was because he was working on something. He inhaled tons of dryer lint or something like that. Oh. And I was like, oh, that can't be bad for your lungs. <laughs> and so I didn't understand a thing he said. Yeah. <laughs> Just that made me Thank think of that. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, for our younger listeners that might not know Squirrel. what Lent is, does anybody want to explain what Lent is? 
maybe a theology professor. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, of course, there's this famous moment at the beginning of Jesus' uh, career after he's baptized when he goes and he's sent into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. Mm. And Matthew four. Yeah, and he uh, he's fasting for forty days and forty nights. And so the idea of a, of a forty day fast, which itself has roots in Moses, uh, did the same when he was up on the mountain. Um, and Elijah, when he was heading down to the mountain. Uh, so there, there's a recurring theme in scripture, uh, uh, you know, prayer and fasting for 40 days. Mm. And so where to, where to, where, where would be a good time for the church if we wanted to do that as a community together? Uh, uh, well, at some point early in Christian history, it was like, well, I don't know, let's run the clock back from, from, from Easter. Right. So like kind mm -hmm. of a way to build up, uh, so it actually starts 46 days before, which is actually really crucial for understanding Lent um, because you break your fast on Sundays, on the Lord's Day, because mm -hmm. uh, you don't fast from sin. That's called repentance. You fast <laughs> from good things, right, uh, that you also feast on. And so you have a little anticipation of Easter every Sunday as you yeah. feast on that one thing. It's good. Um, so I'm off soda and chips and uh, right now for uh for Lent and man, I just can't wait till Sunday. Like, I'm like, yeah, I get my one, <laughs> I get my one soda right? like, uh, so with lunch on Sunday after church. Um, so that's where the tradition comes from. Is that Sweet. what you're looking for? Yes, absolutely. Mm. And if you're interested in more details on Lent, I did a podcast series with Daniel Reif, who is the uh, uh, worship director, I think is his title at College Wesleyan Church. We did a six or seven part series on the Christian year and we went pretty in depth in the the topic of Lent. So if you want all the historical nerdy details about Lent, go in and listen to that podcast with Daniel Reif. But absolutely, that's great. And I actually remember last year for Lent, uh, John was preaching a sermon. He gets up there and he has a bag of like hot flaming Doritos or something. And he's like, yeah, you threw it out to the crowd as well, I believe, or something. No, you had somebody come up or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was a hilarious illustration. And the, the chapel auditorium was in shock that Lent was actually 46 days <laughs> that there, you don't fast on I'd the Sundays. Yeah. See, it's just, people don't know it. So just run the math from Ash Wednesday. Yeah, to to Easter, it, it doesn't it add up to forty. I could never remember when Ash Wednesday was. It's like I, it's not forty. I don't know. It's not forty days. <laughs> it's not a Wednesday. It doesn't line up. <laughs> but all right, who's got one for Lent? I just want to say I like what you said about um, this. Really isn't like a sermon illustration, but like what you said about making the distinction between Lent, right, fasting from good things, versus fasting from sinful things, which Repent. is repentance. Right. You know, right. just because I mean. This was such like a, a pure moment with a friend who was talking about Lent and giving up something that was like sexual sin. Mm -hmm. And I and I got to share with them. I was like, hey, that's not what Lent is for. Mm -hmm. But the heart behind what you're doing, yeah. like I mean, now's a great time to do it. Let, but repent for good. Exactly. Yeah. Take so break, like that was that was cool yeah. to talk And don't about. indulge on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the test. That's the test. But that's something I didn't know yeah. for a long time was the Sunday thing. And I think so many times in our lives. The whole idea of just discipline, being disciplined for the sake of being disciplined is there. And there's no real intention behind it. Um, because I know people who are like, no, I, I'm going to continue to fast on Sundays from it. You know, I, I need to do that. I need to like not give in or something like mm -hmm. that. And I love what you said about it because it's like we're fasting from good things. It's not wrong yeah. to like do that on Sundays, yeah. you know. Um, but me and, me and Noah were actually talking the other day. We meet in the mornings to pray with 
with some with some guys and mondays were we did monday tuesday thursday and like only three of us were showing up on mondays just because of class stuff we're like dude monday's like killing us because every other day we wake up early for class for different things like that so we're not getting any sleep Mm -hmm. and we're like we kind of need to just like like move that and not be going not be meeting on monday so that for our sake of resting physically um because we were just being disciplined to be disciplined where mm-hmm. it wasn't just showing up because it's like because of prayer and conviction to to meet the lord there but because we wanted to remain faithful in discipline not just to the lord and so you saying that really like opened my eyes to just see like the pursuit of lent is the pursuit of god and not just mm. Spiritual disciplines, they're a means. They're not an end. Yeah. Yeah. They're not the the point. Hey, put that on TikTok. That's good. All right, I got one, I think, for Lent. (laughs) That's Um, a good one. It is a good one. That was Keaton. That one doesn't top the Pirates (laughs) of the Caribbean one, though. Oh, my gosh. All right, so um, (laughs) so with Lent, when it comes to fasting in general, my dad— always reiterated the same phrase over and over. He just kept repeating. It's we push away from our table and we pull up to the Lord's table Nice. over and over again. He keeps saying that. And when I think of Lent specifically, what I think of is this. Uh, when I was a kid, we had a kid's table at Thanksgiving, at Christmas and all this stuff. The adults would have their conversation. The kids would have theirs. And the kids, what, what do kids talk about when they're like eight, Poop, 10? Nothing. Yeah, right. They talk about nothing. So I was witnessing. <laughs> you were witnessing when you of were eight years you were. old. Yeah. <laughs> your cousins. So Isaac, you're exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. <laughs> that is going to be a, a clip right there. Finally, uh, someone said somebody it. Somebody said it. Hey. Um, you're a delight as well. <laughs> but if if I can if if I can imagine for a moment, Lent is pushing away from the kids' table and pulling up to the adult table leaving behind the childish things, leaving behind mm. even good things that are being talked about at the kids' table and pulling up to the adult table and getting to enjoy the richness of the conversation that's happening there. Mm. I just think that is a small illustration that always comes to mind when my dad would say, push away from your table and pull up to the Lord's table because you're no longer focusing on the things that are at your table. You're focusing at the things at the Lord's table. That's good. Yeah. So my, I was in middle school. I had a friend. This is the first time I ever heard about Lent. Yeah, I gave up chips and candy, right, for Lent. Right, every middle schooler's Lent, usually. <laughs> and he told me about it. And What's wrong with giving up chips? And- <laughs> no, I mean, but like if you think about any middle schooler or right, high school, yes. it's the common thing, right? Or that or social media. Mountain Dew and Doritos, yeah. Yes. And I remember uh, <laughs> he, he talked to me about it. I was like, well, can I join? I'm going to be honest. I just wanted the chips and the and the candy at the yeah. end of the Lent, right? Like that that was that was my whole purpose. Like I I may have had the wrong reason for doing it, but I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll not eat chips or candy until mm-hmm. after Lent. Well, in my household, we didn't eat like sweets or or we didn't have pop or whatever until the weekends. So it really wasn't any different for me because I, I didn't hadn't had that access anyways. Mm-hmm. But I, I did this thing of Lent. I didn't, didn't know what it meant, um, and for the wrong reason. And I think. This is something I've been learning, but like as as a pastor, as ministers, we so often like we just we want everyone to understand the meaning behind everything. Mm-hmm. But if we're being honest, people go to church camp for the wrong reasons all the time, and they meet the Lord. And I think the same with Lent. People go to Ash Wednesday services because that cute girl, that cute boy, of course, they they meet the Lord. Like, and I, I think sometimes we have to just reframe where where God can move, where God can work. 
people sing worship lyrics not knowing what it means, but yeah. it transforms their hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. exactly how it was with my friend. Like, not understanding what Lent was, yeah, but God was sure. still moving in that, you know? And yeah, we always get converted for the wrong reasons. Otherwise, we wouldn't need to get converted. <laughs> yes, right? I mean, like, we're always motivated by something. Yes. Other than, right? And then the rest, the lifelong conversion is the transition mm. to those motivations. Dang. Right? Transition from loving God for the sake of yourself to Bingo. loving God for the sake yeah, of himself. Sake of, wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. That that helped me so much understanding. Just a like, quotes here. Yeah. So many tweetable moments. That was amazing. I think somebody else said that. Somebody <laughs> far wiser than I said that one time. I was taught that in a class, which the, my professor was taught that from someone else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There that person yeah. was Jesus. Boom. All right. Anybody else got one for Lent? Yeah, I'll just slip one in. I mean, fasting is ordered to feasting. That's the structure. Always. Fasting is never about itself. It's always about feasting. It's just another way of saying what you're thinking. Yeah. It's not get away from every table. It's from one table to another, from peeps to solid meat. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Full circle. Uh, And and so, I mean, I, I... I kept one of my, I said I'm fasting from chips and soda. There's another thing I'm fasting from, and I was embarrassed to share it because it's bad for business. Because uh, <laughs> I'm also not listening to podcasts, except oh, on Sunday during, oh. because I am a podcast glutton. Yeah. I listen to them all the time. I love podcasts. And and I actually reset. I, I don't just not listen to them. I actually delete the app, which means I have to rebuild my mm-hmm. library every Easter. I've been doing this for a couple of years now. It's been wow. actually really helpful, though. It really resets. And I was having this thought even just a week ago because, like, I literally am kind of going crazy in the car because it's silent, you know what I mean? And, like, a part of me wants to learn how to be comfortable with the silence. And the other is then I remember this fasting's ordered to feasting, right? I fasting from, in this case, podcasts so that I can feast on the word, mm. not so that I can have just nothing, yes. but to mm. feast on something else. And so, like, I've added, I, I got my Bible app. I got a bunch of new sections of where it's, like, you know, doing the auto read for me. I've got a Psalms uh uh, one month through the Psalms, and it just kind of does like five or six a day. And so I listen to those being mm. read by some guy with a British accent. You know? Oh, and it's, <laughs> so good. And so it's, it's again, it's some of what I get out of the podcast, which is just to kind of have a little voice there, but it's something different mm. that's drawing me in a different direction. So fasting's already into feasting. That's that's the, the kids' table. That's wow. the Sunday's thing. Feast every Sunday. It's good. And even wow. just feasting on the word is the heart of that, though. Yeah. What is it that every time I'm hungry, every time I have that, inkling oh i want to listen to a podcast right now oh okay just get my bible app out yeah so it doesn't mean I have to, it's not just about depriving again depriving is not the point mm. right depriving is always wow. opening us up to a different kind of delighting mm. it's good Dang. love it good it's got one time one, one more time for one more okay let's go let's go let's Mother. go stop palm trees florida Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he he what he was in a palm tree I don't, I don't. Sycamore tree, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So in Florida, in Florida, where I'm from, it was always the image of palm tree, because that's what we knew. That's the only tree you have. That's crazy. Hey, How do you fit up there? <laughs> you know, he, he shimmied. <laughs> palm tree. You know, it's not obvious in that story whether it's Zacchaeus or Jesus who's short. Oh. You can't actually tell from the grammar of the passage. Like, short king. Don't be, don't be shaking in your faith. He climbed up in the tree. Because he wanted to see the Lord because he was short of stature. Well, who's the antecedent of he? The oh. pronoun he. 
Zacchaeus or Jesus? Short I'm kings. sure it's Zacchaeus, but it's a fun thought. <laughs> I was about to say, Jared has hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's give, a friend of ours. Yeah, give not... a little context. How tall is Jared? What is he, like 5'4"? Five, 5'3". Four? Five, five, three. Three. I was generous. My grandma was 5 foot. That's Christ funny. Like. Dude, that's wow. crazy. Christ-like. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Palm trees. <gasps> there oh, it is. I thought you broke there it. There it is. Thank goodness I thought I Even broke it. Even the buzzer was shaking in its face. So when, 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 <laughs> hey, right? Palm Sunday. You know what I'm saying? When Jesus shows up. Ah, yeah. When Ooh. he pulls up on that cool, that donkey. Ew, yeah. 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 Pulls well, up. <laughs> he pulls up. They're laying like they're laying everything down for him, right? Yeah. It's like a the king showing up. And I remember thinking to myself, how in the world do you get from that to by the end of the week yelling crucify? Hey man, it was a long week. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, a lot Something went real time. bad, you know, in work. <laughs> but but I remember having this conversation and we were discussing like Okay, what did they think, or who did they think Jesus was when he was showing up? Mm-hmm. This king, all these things. What, what was he supposed to do? And and I've talked a lot about lot to John about this and to others, and my study and all that stuff is like, who was the Messiah? Who did they expect him to be to come and throw down the oppressive nation, mm-hmm. oppressive nation, lead an army, win a military battle, all these things. But once you figure out who Jesus is, and he kept talking about, like he repeated like three times, like, I'm going to die. I need to be handed over, right? And all these things. People didn't understand um, and so you get to the end that he's not who they wanted him to be. He's not who, who they thought the Messiah would be. And so in the end you get this, let's crucify him because he's not the, not the Messiah. I know that the Messiah should be. And sometimes I think like in our own lives, where's, where's the points in my life that I thought Jesus would be a certain way mm. or God would act in a certain way that is not in line with his character, but it's in line with what I want. Yeah. And would I be the one that lays down the the palm the palm branches and all these things in my clothes or whatnot because of who I think God is? But then when He shows His true nature to me and in that He's willing to die for us, it's like I don't want that mm. God. And so it's interesting to me to see like what happens when we don't have the right understanding of who God is, yeah. how that affects our praise and our worship. It's good. It's good. Mm. So growing up in Florida, we learned all about palm trees. And something very fascinating about palm trees is how their root system operates. So the root system of a regular, let's say, oak tree are wide and deep roots that are huge. And so there are like different channels of roots that are the main roots that come off of the the, the trunk of the tree and then uh, roots sprout off of that. For a palm tree, I looked it up so you guys could see. There are only thin roots that come out from the main spot of the tree. So when a windstorm comes, the first trees that fall down are the palm, palm trees. Is this why they can operate in more sandy areas? Yes. So it's an advantage to them. Yes. But On then the one hand, not secure. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Mm. So, so if you think about it in our lives, I, I have one lady in particular that I'm thinking of. We can either be deeply and widely rooted in Christ with our roots being thick, deep, wide. Sometimes a root system in a tree can be bigger than the actual tree that we see on the surface of the ground. Mm. Whereas a palm tree is, it's not. It, the roots still absorb the nutrients of the soil, but when a windstorm comes, they come down. 
So in the wow. same way in the Christian life, there's one lady I'm thinking of in particular. She got saved at a young age, and I'm sure she's in her 90s now because when I met her, she was in her 80s because um, that's how math works, I think. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for her, she had this experience with the Lord. She never moved from that experience in that moment. She never leaned into what Jesus talks about where I'm calling you to life, but not just life, but life to the full the abundant life. She never, but she still would take in the nutrients of the Christian life. But when a windstorm came, she always experienced the crashing down Mm. of her faith. Mm. So in in the same way in our Christian lives, how are we developed? What, what roots are we putting down? Are we putting down weak, thin roots that still get the nutrients or we having deep, wide roots going down, getting wow. all the nutrients That's good. from every part of the soil. That makes me think of the parable of the sower. Like mm. when scattering mm. the seed and then one seed like lands on, I forget what ground it is, but um, it grows fast, mm. right? Yes. But then when the sun comes and scorches it, it doesn't right? have the roots to last yes. through it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Right? Yeah, because a palm tree can grow like 30 feet in the air, but it, well, probably not 30 Have you ever feet. climbed? That's- a palm tree? I've tried. So at the bottom of a palm tree where the palm fronds uh, grow out and fall off, they're, they're basically spikes that go up the tree, uh-huh. at least the ones in Florida. I've seen the like palm trees where it's a, like a smoother shaft up the, up the top of the tree, but it's, I mean, there's yeah. nothing to grab onto and latch onto, True. and mm. those spikes hurt <laughs> if you fall, especially when you're a kid. I never experienced a palm tree. Like, never, never, there's no reason to. I'm, in, I'm from Oklahoma. We have a million other trees. And dust. Palm tree. Yes. Dust and trees in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. That's Lots of dust. And so I went, you know, to Florida for the gathering and, and spring break trips or whatnot. Like, I hadn't seen a palm tree. And what fascinates me about palm tree is it's just like super tall and cylindrical, but like, yeah, it's not like wide or like, yeah. it doesn't really mm-hmm. get in your way. In Oklahoma and Evergreen, literally, you have to like go around. Like, you can't walk through it because you're just gonna be like in pain, right? Like there's, yeah, the, the, the trees, the trees are different, right? A palm tree sometimes you really it's not in your way until you're right next to it, or if it's a cluster of palm trees. And yeah. I think that's how conviction works in our life sometimes. Mm. God is giving us little hints. We see the palm tree in the distance, mm. but it takes for us to smack in front of it and be like, oh, <laughs> oh wait, the, oh oh, that's what you mean, God. And I like. Sometimes the Lord's like, oh, this is an evergreen. Like, this this is pretty clear, right? You don't do this. But, like, in, in that palm tree sometimes— Hey, they, I'm a tree. <laughs> I'm here. I'm big. <laughs> exactly. And, and a palm tree sometimes you have to actually smack yourself. Yeah. You'd be right next to it and almost smack your forehead on it to really oh recognize goodness, what's going on. With this. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <sighs> yeah. True. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else on palm trees? Man, I got nothing. Okay. All right. That's all right. And all right, we there. are fresh at a time. Fresh, 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 fresh text, fresh wow. time. But John, thank you so much for joining us. You are a, a very busy man. I know you are, and I know uh, we had to reschedule this several times yes. because of busyness and all that. But for I think us, my favorite I was about part. To say, you canceled on yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not busy. <laughs> my favorite part was when John was reading the scripture, and then he just pulls out his Greek and yeah. he's flipping to it know. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm distracted by you just doing that, like in this current moment, but. You, yeah, you're you're so incredibly smart, wise, and just like when you speak, it people truly listen. And it's definitely a gift. And yes. So for those that are listening, 
you were blessed today on this episode. So And go listen to Fresh Text. Yes, yes. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And everything. Yeah. And everywhere else. And everything in between. So If you're one of those few people that listen on Google Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ouch. <laughs> to, each, to each their own, <laughs> I guess. To each their own. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. And for those listening, stay tuned. We have more Modern Parables coming up. Thanks, guys. We would also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. We want to thank the Called Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Called Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Once again, thank you for stopping by and listening to our crazy sermon illustrations that might actually work. Check back next week for more Modern Parables.